0: So I asked the kids um, what the answer to the magic question was on the wall. What is it, Jake? Oh, not everybody, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, a good, you know, that's a good try, though. I mean, if you say everybody, you kind of get all the options in. Today, the sermon will be a little bit different. I'm going to start with a reflection first and read the text separate. But here's, here's where our blurriness comes from about the word Lord. If you read in the Old Testament, you will see the Lord spelled different ways. You will see it in all capital letters. And that's where the Hebrew letters Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh are written. The sacred name of God that the Jewish practice was not to say. It's the name that means I am or I be. It's, the word simply means being. Remember when God said to Moses, I am that I am? He was saying Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh some other word, yod heh vav I am that I am. And so, in the English tradition, we stuck letters between that because we need letters to pronounce names, right? And in the English tradition, we wanted to be able to say the name of God. But in the Hebrew tradition, they didn't say the name of God. So they interpolated the word Adonai. So in Hebrew class, when we were reading and we would come to the sacred name of God, we would say the word Adonai. Have you heard that name before? It means Lord. Adonai, Adonai. Lord or Master, Boss are good ways to interpret the word Adonai. When you see the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the Old Testament, there what is said is the ancient Hebrew name of God. Um, guide us, O thou great Jehovah. Right? So when Jehovah's witnesses come to your door, and they say God has a name, it's kind of okay for you to say, yes, He does. His name is Chuck. Just to mess with them if you want to. But there is some truth in that God does have a specific name. And so when Jesus comes, Jesus is given a specific name. I'll talk about that in a little while. And what that name means is God saves. He's given the name Yeshua. Joshua in the English. Jesus in Greek. Yesus in Greek. And Yesus in Greek translates to Jesus. In English. So that's where some of us trip when we hear the word Lord. Even myself, I pray alternately the words Lord. If I'm praying to the second person of the Trinity specifically, I'll say Lord Jesus. And other times I'll say Lord or Eternal Lord because in our tradition in the Old Testament, we've seen capital L-O-R-D. You with me so far? But in the Christian tradition, when we say Lord, we mean to say a specific thing. I invite you to hear a little bit about that. So, given the Bible text we were here today is essentially a sermon given by Jesus. Do you hear that? What we are going to read here read today is a sermon that Jesus preached. In Luke, it said that he preached it on a plain. In Matthew, it said he preached it on the mountain. So, in Matthew, your Bibles might say sermon on the mount. In Luke, it might say sermon on the plain. And since this is a sermon preached by Jesus, it seemed to me that I didn't need to add anything to it. The sermon, I believe, can stand on its own. It doesn't necessarily need to be explained or softened or made more accessible, but there is something that I want to say about why I believe we should just hear it for itself. It's an opportunity for us. It's not because of what's said in the sermon, but because of who it is that is saying it. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus who suffered, who died, and was raised from the dead. The one who preaches this sermon is the one about whom Peter said these words in Acts 2.36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. What a loaded thing he was saying to them. In his letter to the church at Corinth, Paul said these words, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And hear this, dear ones, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the one who speaks the sermon that you are about to hear. Jesus is Lord is not an idea. It's not a philosophical proposition. It is a statement of actual reality. By saying Jesus is Lord, we confess that all authority belongs to Him. And then necessarily not to us. Do you hear that? If we say that Jesus is Lord, then we are saying I am not Lord not even of my own life. If I say Jesus is Lord, I am also admitting that I am not. If I confess that Jesus is my Lord, then I admit to being a subject of His reign. If I say that Jesus is my King, then I admit to be subject to His reign and keeping His commands and doing all that He has taught us to do. If I say that Jesus is my Lord, then I am confessing that. And I admit to be a subject of His reign, claiming no kingdom of my own. As I was preparing for ordination as an elder, let me tell you, I never want to have to do that again. I had to write papers twice for the Board of Ordained Ministry, and the first time through was for provisional elder. And I was doing those writings when I first came to you. And the question was asked in the packet, how do you interpret the statement Jesus Christ is Lord? That's an important thing to ask someone going into Christian ministry, don't you think? And I thought that it might be good for me to share my answer as a way for you to think about what you mean when you say Jesus Christ is Lord. Here's what I wrote. A running interpretation of the phrase, Jesus Christ is Lord, would yield something along these lines. The human being who Jesus named Jesus, and who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, is the Messiah who has been exalted, lifted up as Lord. We read evidence of this exaltation in Matthew 28:18, where Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Thus, there are three affirmations that the phrase, Jesus Christ is Lord, makes. First, the person we are talking about is a specific human being named Jesus, whose given name brings with it associations from the birth narrative in the Gospel of Luke, the genealogy and birth narrative of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua, His name means help, prosperity, and salvation, is the one who saves His people from their sins. This specific man is the one who is descended from Abraham and David. He is the Son of the covenants made with them by God. Second, as Jesus is the Son of those covenants who was conceived in Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit, He is Messiah, Christ, the anointed Son of God. He is the one who sits on David's everlasting throne, the Son who brings a never-ending kingdom, the new creation. He is the true Son of God, not an earthly king appointed as a figurative Son. Rather, Jesus is the pre-eternal Son who emptied Himself, taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness, And having been found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Thirdly, through his death and resurrection and ascension, Jesus inaugurates his kingdom and is enthroned over it at the right hand of God, the hand of power. He is the Lord of all creation, heaven and earth. Jesus, Mary's child, is the glorified Son of Man, the One who has been put over all things, and the Son of God through whom and for whom all things were created, including us. Thus, first and perhaps foremost, saying Jesus Christ is Lord is an act of exaltation. Speaking the phrase is a specific act of worship and a confession of faith. Jesus Christ is Lord is also a statement of relationship. It is an affirmation of loyalty and allegiance with which we acknowledge our true citizenship in the kingdom of God. In speaking this phrase of confession, we affirm Jesus' glorification on the cross. His resurrection, His exaltation to the seat of power at the right hand of God, His headship over the church, and His authority over all creation, whether heaven or earth. Jesus Christ as Lord is the analogy of our faith. It is a confession of that faith, an acknowledgement of our common hope, a declaration of allegiance, and a profession of trust. For in claiming Jesus Christ is Lord, we put our faith, our hope and our trust in the one who will judge us. Christ the Lord. The same Jesus who died for us. I guess I should tell you I still believe all those things 7 years later. 8 years later, mass not so good. So the question is before you, who is Lord? When you see this, do you think to yourself, Jesus is Lord? Or do you think to yourself, do I want anyone over me at all? I've never been fond of authority. I've always had a little bit of problem with it. It's part of who I am. I tell people it's part of being born in York County. There's something in the clay here that makes us want to be self-guided. Who is Lord? Who slave am I? Who is my master? Jesus is Lord. How does that statement sound to your heart? Does it ring true? Is it your truth? Really? True? Or in your way of thinking, does He serve you so that you can get to heaven and have all the rewards of an eternal life? Do you serve Jesus or does Jesus serve you? Because if Jesus serves you, if Jesus is all about you, then Jesus is not your Lord, He is your servant. How does it ring to your heart? Is it truth? Is it your truth? Is Jesus your Lord, your Master, your King? Does your whole being belong to him? Heart, body, soul, mind, all of it. Are you his slave? Because that is what we say when we say Jesus is Lord. That he is master and I am not. Jesus is Lord. Do you affirm it? Do you own the statement for yourself? Can you say for yourself, Jesus is Lord? Can you thoughtfully and truthfully confess that? If so, dear ones, then Paul affirms that you can only do so through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. If you can say in your heart, Jesus is Lord, and it rings true, then take comfort in that. It is a reality that you are invited to and invited to live in. Being Christ's slave in the world. That's who's speaking. The Lord of heaven and the Lord of earth is about to preach a sermon in Adna Church. Will your ears be open? Will your heart be willing to hear what he says? Will you hear it and say it's too hard? Will you hear it and call him a liberal or a conservative? Will you hear it and object to what it says? I cannot love my enemy. Or will you hear these words as the words of your master? Because if you won't, then this answer on the wall has not come for you yet. Your answer to the question, Who is Lord? May not be Jesus. Jesus. It may be your political party, your workplace, your boss, the world you live in, the marketers who tell you what you should buy and have. It may be our system of government. It may be our system of economics. It may be your own pride. But dear ones, it is the Lord of life who speaks today. I invite you to hear His words and ask yourself, Is this the voice of my Master? A reading from the 6th chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. Beginning with the 12th verse. Now during those days Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and He spent the night in prayer to God. And when day came, He called His disciples and chose 12 of them whom He also named Apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, and his brother Andrew, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, the coast of Tyre, and Sidon. They had come to hear Him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all in the crowd were trying to touch Him, for power came out from Him and healed all of them. And then He looked up at His disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, But I say to you that will listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully qualified will be like the teacher. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take out the speck in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, Nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I tell you. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me. Here's my words and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood arose, the river burst against that house but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation, when the river burst against it, immediately fell and great was the ruin of that house. After Jesus had finished all His sayings and the hearing of the people, He entered Capernaum. Dear ones, a sermon of your Lord to you. The Word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God.